Hey, Pastor John Aiken here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Faith Center podcast. We hope today's teaching will awaken and equip you to live out your God-given purpose. Enjoy. Open your Bible. If you have your Bible with you, open up to 1 Corinthians 15. I want to share a couple things with you. And um, I want to talk to you about first fruits. First fruit. So everybody say that with me. Say first fruits. So what a first fruit is, it's a biblical concept that we're going to unpack just a little bit today. I don't have time to go deep into it, but first fruits is, is exactly what it sounds like. It's the first of a fruit. See, everything in the kingdom of God is, is by sowing and reaping. Everything happens by sowing and reaping. So you reap what you sow. If you don't like the harvest of your life, change your seed. If you don't like your harvest of your life, change your seed. Sow something eternal. Sow something from the living word of God. I, I almost dare you to start sowing the word of God into your life and see what happens. Even if you say, I don't believe in God. Great, fine. Start sowing the word of God into your life and watch what begins to happen. He'll change you. He'll, 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 his word works. And, and so... Everything in the kingdom of God is seed time and harvest. So what first fruits is about is it's the first yielding or the first producing of a crop. So it's the first part of a harvest that is to come. So the first fruit is, is the first thing that would rise up that is evidence, that is evidence to the promise of a full harvest that is to follow. That's what a first fruit is. And so there's feast in the Bible. They're called the feast of the Lord. And I don't, I'm not going to unpack them today. It's a whole nother teaching to talk about the feast of the Lord. But there's three of them that we're going to talk about that have to do with water baptism and have to do with resurrection, what we call Easter Sunday. And, and it, and it's all about first fruits. And so, uh, and in this, the, the three feasts that I want to talk to you about are Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits. All three are feasts. Now, there's other feasts, but these are the three we're going to talk about today. And so each of these feasts that are in your Old Testament are a shadow and a symbol and a type that point to the reality of Jesus Christ. Every one of them point to Jesus Christ. And so Jesus doesn't teach us about the feast. The feast teach us about Jesus. Okay, and so the Passover, uh, the first one is the Passover, and that's where the the children of Israel were in Egypt, and they were slaves in Egypt. Well, prophetically and symbolically, Egypt represents the world, the sinful world, the world that was born in sin through the fall of the first Adam. So Egypt rep. Uh, is, is representative of the sin that you were born into. I don't know the sin that you were born into, the family you were born into, but we were all born slaves of sin. We all were born that way. And, and so for me, I was born into a household of addiction where my father was an alcoholic and, and, and struggled with different things like that. So I was born into, into that reality. And so I was born as a slave of sin, just like everyone else was. And then what happens is Moses, in the Old Testament story called the Passover, God sends Moses from a burning bush to go 
um, say, Pharaoh, let my people go and redeem them. That's a type of Jesus, to redeem them out of slavery. So it's a picture of Jesus who's going to come redeem uh, his people that are in that are slaves in sin and free them from their Egypt. So you were born in Egypt. You don't have to, you don't have to die in Egypt. You can be free from your sin. And so what he did was he had the Passover lamb. And the Passover lamb is symbolic and points to Jesus, the lamb of God. So what they would do is they would take the lamb uh, on, on the night of the Passover. They would sacrifice the lamb. They would kill the lamb because something innocent had to die. Something innocent had to die if something that was dead needed to come back to life. There had to be an exchange of sacrifices. So the lamb was given all pointing to Jesus, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so Jesus, on the night of the Passover, what, what happens is the blood of the lamb was put upon the doorpost of their house, symbolic of the doorpost of their heart. And they ate the lamb. They roasted the lamb and ate the lamb. And then they left. They left Egypt and they're going and they come. They come to the Red Sea. And this water, this water trough here represents the Red Sea. So they got, they got saved and then they left and they came to the Red Sea. And as they come to the Red Sea, it's like, okay, we, you know, we're not walking on water yet. That's New Testament. <laughs> and so we gotta, we're, we're stuck. And so Pharaoh started chasing them to bring them back into slavery. And God created a miracle and parted the sea. And when the sea parted, they walked through the sea. They walked through the sea, the sea closed back up, and Pharaoh and all his horsemen and chariots and taskmasters were dead. That's a prophetic picture of water baptism. So every person who gets baptized walks through their Red Sea. And what happens is they're crucified. I'll start with Jesus. Jesus himself in the New Testament was crucified on Passover. The second feast began was unleavened bread. He was buried during unleavened bread. And then he was raised to new life on the Feast of First Fruits. That's what, that's what Jesus was. That's what happened with him. So the same thing is true with us and anyone who puts your faith in Christ, that you're crucified with Christ on Passover. That's your Passover. And then what happens, because you accept the Lamb of God and God's judgment passes over you because the Lamb was judged as you. The lamb was not just judged for you. The lamb was judged as if he was you, as if he did the sin that you did. See, Jesus took your sin by faith. He didn't take your sin by works. He didn't earn your sin. He took your and my sin by faith, and he asked us to take his righteousness by faith. We can't earn his righteousness. That's what the grace of God is all about. And so we are crucified on Passover, buried in unleavened bread. Because the thing about unleavened bread, leaven, leaven is not a good thing in bread. It puffs it up. So leaven represents sin. So unleavened bread is, is, is symbolic of Jesus, who is the bread of life, pure, sincere, and true. And so the leaven So we're crucified with Christ and the leaven of our old life, the sin that puffed us up, the sin that puffed us up and the sin that happened because you took some puffs is buried here. It's buried here. So what was part of your past does not have to be part of your future. 
And then the first fruit is a resurrection of Christ in you so that the Lamb of God and the King of Kings and the Lion of the tribe of Judah lives in you and you begin to go forward in your new life. So Christ, Christ was crucified on Passover, buried in unleavened bread, and the first fruits raised to walk in new life. And anyone who follows Christ follows that same pattern. Follows that same pattern. So with that in mind, I want to read a scripture in 1 Corinthians 15. And, uh, and I want you to start maybe in verse... Oh, let's, let's look down to verse 3. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, and that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. And... Uh, and so just those two right there, just those two, is, this, is, this is what the whole Bible is about. This is what we celebrate every day and especially on this day. What we celebrate is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You don't have to know who the, four, you know, the, the four-faced animal is or the, the, the number of, of the Antichrist or the beast in the book of Revelation. You don't got to figure all that stuff out. You don't got to know when Jesus is coming back. You, there's a lot of stuff you don't have to figure out in the Bible, but there's one thing you do. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That will change your life. A bunch of puffed up Bible knowledge to show how smart you are won't change your life. But giving yourself to that his death is your death. His burial is your burial. His resurrection is your resurrection. That'll change your life. That will change your life. And so he died, uh, was buried, and rose again according to the scriptures, just like as was prophesied, just like as was promised. And then, and then it goes on in this chapter. It goes on, if you read through the whole rest of the chapter, it goes on to say that, that Peter saw him resurrected, saw him after he had been crucified. And then the other disciples saw him. And then over 500 people in one place at one time saw the resurrected Jesus. That's, there's not 500 people in this room right now. So over 500 people in one place at one time saw Jesus resurrected alive after he was crucified. And then what Paul said, what Paul said about that was, and they're still alive, go talk to them about it. So if, if I mean, think about that. That'll hold up in any court of law. So if the enemy's been lying to you that Jesus has not been raised from the dead, there's over 500 people that were eyewitnesses, and Paul in that day sent this letter saying, go talk to them. Go talk to them. They saw him, and there's many other witnesses that saw him too. And then, because some were saying in that day that the resurrection didn't happen. And guys, if the resurrection didn't happen, then you might as well burn this book. You might as well throw it away. Because what's, what's central to the Bible, what's central to the Bible is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And it says, like in verse 17, I think, of this chapter, it says that if Christ did not, if, if, if he's not risen, if he's not risen, then your faith is futile. And you're still in your sins. Because here's, here's the deal. If Christ died for our sins, if Christ died for our sins, but he never resurrected from the grave, then he's still dead in sin, and so are we. But he's not dead. He's not dead. He's been raised to new life. Look at verse 20, I think it is in this chapter. It says, um, but now, everybody say now. Yeah. 
Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man, so that, that tells us right there that Christ is the first fruit. He's not a first fruit. Christ is the Passover, the Lamb of God who was sacrificed on the night of the Passover. He is, he is the unleavened bread, the living bread of God. He is the first fruit of resurrection that promises, that promises there is a harvest coming after him that will look just like him because everything in the kingdom, every seed in the kingdom reproduces after its kind. So the, the, the evidence of his resurrection is evidence of future resurrection for anyone who believes in him. Just incredible stuff. And it, so what, what he's telling us is, for since by man came death, by man, capital M, meaning Jesus, also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive, but each one in his own order. Christ the first fruits. So there, there it is again. Christ the first fruits. And then afterward, those who are at Christ, those who are Christ at his coming. So here, here's, what he, here's what the Bible teaches us in this. When you put your faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you know, there's a lot of stuff you might not understand. There's a lot of questions you might have. But if you want answers, listen to me, if you want answers to your biblical questions about God, if you want answers to those questions and you're really not using excuses, you want answers, the best way to get to those answers is to believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, then the resurrected king will walk you through his word and he will instruct you and give you answers that you need. But if you wait until you're, you got to be like, you know, this, you got to have all these answers because it's either, do you believe Jesus was raised from the grave or not? I mean, that's what it comes down to. That's what it's about right there. And so, man, I couldn't even spell Bible when I believed that. And when I believe that, it changed my life. Changed my life. Because I didn't play. I didn't just go to church and just do it. It's like I gave my life to Christ. See, I know what it's like to give my life to alcohol, to give my life to other things, to give my life to sin. I know what it's like to give my life to another power. And all I did was give my life to Christ. And he changed everything in my life. You can't give your life to sin and then just give your brain to God. You got to give all of you to him for him to do something with it. And so he's a resurrected king. He's the the first fruits that is evidence of things being reproduced after its own kind, that there's a promise of a harvest to come. Telling you, it's incredible. And so I thought about first fruits, and I thought about there's a lot of things that happened on the day or of the feast of first fruits. A lot of things through the Bible that happened on this day. And I prayerfully picked three that I want to show you because I, I believe the Lord is wanting to say something and do something to some of you. This shoe may not fit everybody, but I think it's going to fit somebody. The first one of, of other events about the first fruit is Esther. 
Queen Esther. Hopefully you know the story about Queen Esther, but Queen Esther saved her people through intercession and finding favor with the king. She saved people, her people from annihilation. And I believe that there's a gallow, there's a plan of the enemy that he's been working trying to take you out. And, I, and what happened in that story is the plan backfired. There is a switch and the plan that the enemy had to take God's people out flipped and it was and actually ended up taking the enemy out. And so I believe what's happening in some people's lives and you take this if you want it. You take this if you think it's the Lord, but there are schemes that the enemy and God or the enemy has used people to come against you. And I believe what's happening in this season is he's going to bring deliverance and first fruits to you that your enemy's plans are going to blow up in their face and you're going to come to the other side and you're going to prevail. You're going to prevail. You're going to get through the other side. Those plans are not going to prevail. You don't got to get fearful about those plans. Oh, no, somebody's planning something against me. Big deal. God's planning something for you. And trust the plan of the Lord. Align yourself to the plan of the Lord. Don't come into alignment with sin. Don't come into alignment with that fear. Come into alignment with the plan of God. And I believe there'll be that, that grace that will show up in your life and the plans of the enemies that you thought were going to destroy you, that almost paralyzed you, are going to fall right before you. And the second thing is the walls of Jericho. Happened on the day of first fruits. The walls of Jericho came down. The first city in the promised land that God said, go possess us. These walls were huge. They drove chariots on top of these walls. And I believe what, what God was speaking to me to tell you is that there are walls that you, you've come so far with the Lord. You walk so far and now you're weary because you keep running into this wall and you've done everything you can do to try to knock the wall down and the walls not come down. But if you will listen to the Lord, if you'll listen to the Lord, he'll give you a unique strategy, a first fruit strategy to make that wall come down because you can't bring the wall down. You're not strong enough to bring the wall down. You're not smart enough to bring the wall down. You don't have enough resources to bring the wall down. But one word from God, one word from God that we obey will bring the wall down. It'll bring the wall down. And of course, the last one is the parting of the Red Sea, like I've talked about already. That happened on the day of first fruits. So as they were parting, as the sea parted, and they walked through, and they came out of their sinful past, and they walked through the dry ground. They came on the other side and the waters closed. Notice how it's a one-way road. Because years later, when they wanted to go back to Egypt because they weren't comfortable walking with God and they were struggling and they wanted to go back. They wanted to go back to their destructive comfort zone. They wanted to go back to the, the sin that they were a prisoner into because sometimes, sometimes the promise of freedom is scary and it's more comfortable to be a prisoner in sin and be a victim. But God's one way. They came back this way. The sea don't part this way. You can stay in it. You can do it. You, whatever you want to do. The sea don't part this way. The sea only parts this way. And so on the day of first fruits, the sea parted. They walked through, which is exactly what's happening today. People are walking with the blood of the lamb on them and the lamb of God within them because they've made a decision to give their life to Christ. They're coming out of their Egypt and they're coming through the Red Sea. And the sea is going to close back up and standing on this side of this baptism tank, standing this side of the Red Sea, their leaven and their sin has been put into the burial and they can look at their past 
And they can say, yep, you were sure a part of my past, but you have no right to be a part of my future. Because in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I'm taking on my identity, my new identity in Christ and my new authority in Christ, and I'm going to my promised land. And so because I put my faith in the first fruit, now the new thing, the cool thing is now I become a first fruit. See, the first fruit empowers me to be a first fruit. Like there's two scriptures about, there's one about uh, Stephanus. I think that's his name, 1 Corinthians 16. It says, I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus. It sounds like a gangster, doesn't it? The household of Stephanus. Like, you know he ain't always been saved. Like, it just sounds weird to me. Uh, the household of Stephanus, that it, uh, that it is the first fruits of Acacia. So, uh, or Achaia. So what he's saying is, this is so cool to me. What he, we know Jesus is the Passover lamb. He is the unleavened bread and he is the first fruit. But anyone who puts faith in him, like Stephanus, what happens is Stephanus becomes the first fruit. And then Stephanus's household becomes the first fruit. And then the household is in a city and everything reproduces after its kind. God saved you to change this city. God saved you to change your household. God didn't save you for you. God saved you to send you to change a city. Some of you here have a heart to see this city changed. Some of you have a heart to see this city change. You can't do it in your own strength. This city doesn't need your strength. This city doesn't want your strength. Because your strength ain't that much. But this city wants what Christ will produce in you. Because he's king of kings and lord of lords. And I love what it says in James chapter 1. It says uh, that of his own will, he brought us, everybody say us, forth by the word of truth that we might, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his create creation. So what that means is, is if I believe, if I put my faith in the first fruit, then I become a first fruit. My household becomes a first fruit. And, and God uses the, the first fruit, um, uh, you know, power to reproduce in the city. That God's moving in me and God's moving through me. And everything that I do and everywhere that I go. And so what I celebrate today, when these people are coming and being baptized, what I celebrate, and I've done it for years, and that's why it never gets old to me. It never gets boring to me. It's never like, oh, you know, another baptism. But it never gets old. It never gets boring to me. Because every single person who put their faith in Christ, the power of the resurrected first fruit and all that heaven can reproduce is put into a life, is put into a house, is put into a family, is put into a city. And so I celebrate the people who are going to be baptized, the people who are going to be delivered from hell, the people who are going to be delivered from sin. The people who are going to be delivered from addiction. The people who are going to come out of debt. The people who are going to come out of slavery. Not through Pastor John. But through the first fruit living in you. And you become a first fruit. You become a first fruit. You become a living epistle. 
You become evidence. You become evidence to a person. You become evidence. And Sean, I'll pick on you. <laughs> just like I did. <laughs> so Sean's just messed up. He's just messed up. He got all kind of issues, all kind of problems. He's messed up. And if I come to him and I meet him at work someday, and oh man, my life is messed up and I don't even believe in God, whatever. I can come stand before Sean and he's going to run his mouth and talk about this and talk about, he had to watch the YouTube video about whatever. About And so he thinks he knows, but there's nothing he can say. There's not an attack he can do. There's nothing he can say that's going to take away the first fruit from my life. Because I know him. I know Christ. So there's nothing you can say. So I can stand before you and you can say, I don't believe it. I don't think it's possible, blah, 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 blah. And and guess what? I'm going to outlast you because I'm going to sit here and be like, I've got eternal life inside of me. I know what he can do. So your little arguments or your little stuff, you know, is is not going to mess with me. And I'm going to stand right here because here's what I am to you, Sean. I am evidence. I am evidence of what God can do. I am evidence of the eternal work of God and will of God. So I'm evidence of what God can do in your life. And so your stuff don't intimidate me. Yeah, you're a big old boy, but you don't intimidate me. And so with that kind of reality, I become a first fruit. And I'll I'll outlast you in prayer. I'll outlast you because you know what's going to happen? You're going to get saved because you know what I see when I see Sean? You know what I see when I see Sean? I work with him. He's cussing and running his mouth and doing all kinds of. You know what I see? I don't see I don't see some somebody that that God says, oh, I can't use that person. Here's what I see. I see a potential first fruit. And I think, man, you know, when Sean gets saved, you know, what's going to happen when Sean gets saved. We're going to have to turn him sideways in the baptism tank so he can fit. (laughs) <laughs> but when he gets saved, he was baptized last service, by the way. When uh, uh, and, and there's a bunch of water that came. Anyways, <laughs> like tidal wave. Yeah. So here's what I see. I see Sean and then a family and a household being saved. And then here's what I see. Whoo, they're going to change the city. They're going to change the city. Like, like God is choosing people like this to change the city. God's choosing people like you to change the city. You shouldn't be surprised. Look, you should, you should not be surprised about that because the devil has chosen you and many of you have been allowing him to use your life with a bunch of dumb ideas to try to ruin a city. But Jesus wants to use you to change one, to resurrect one, to bring it back to life. Whew. Everyone who's coming to be baptized. Matter of fact, those coming to be baptized, come on up front. Bring your stone with you. Come on up front and sit right here on the stage. Come just sit right up here on the stage. Everyone coming to be baptized. What we do here is we have a stone. Years ago, the Lord spoke to us and he, he gave us a stone. Yeah, come sit right up here. Because in the Old Testament, if you sin certain sins, a stone could be used as judgment against you and you could be punished uh, and, and actually killed because of the judgment of God coming from a stone. Stone represents the law and, and in the Old Testament. New Testament, we're talking about living stones. But Old Testament through the law, it represent it was against you. So what we have people do as they come to put their faith in Jesus Christ, to be crucified, put their faith in Jesus Christ, to be crucified with Christ, to be buried with Christ and be resurrected with Christ.
What we do is we have them write on the stone the sin or the sins that have dominated their past. The joke here is that people need bigger stones. (laughs) But we have them write on the stone the things that dominated their past. And we've done this for years, baptizing people, whether in the river or, you know, in the the baptistry right there or in the horse trough. And so when they come in, they sit in this tank, they're sitting in their Red Sea and they're looking at the stone. And by faith in the resurrected in the, in the resurrected King of Christ, they're looking at their past and they're looking at what dominated their past. And what they say is what Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. Yep, this was a part of my past, but it will no longer be a part of my future. It will no longer be a part of my future. And every time, every time that tries to come back and haunt me, I go back to the moment of faith where I buried and I had a funeral service. And I go back when, when the enemy's trying to tempt me to go back into that lifestyle. I stand and I take authority because I'm a first fruit in Christ. And I stand and I take authority by the word of God. And I said, no, 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 that belongs there, not here. God's got something better for me right now. I don't need that no more. That don't even make any sense in my life. That made sense when I was a slave, but now that I'm a son, it don't make no sense. Addiction makes no sense for me right now. You can come tempt me with addiction. It doesn't make any sense. I got things to do. I ain't got time to go be doing dumb stuff. Tell your neighbor, say, you ain't got time to be doing dumb stuff. Tell them. Thanks again for listening to the Faith Center podcast. To connect with us, go to faithcenter.tv and fill out our connection card. We pray blessings over you and your family. We'll see you next time.